It's our annual ritual. We take this time to um, honor our graduating seniors and welcome in the seventh graders who are moving up into the youth group. And so we want to thank all of the families who are here, and we appreciate your presence here. We thank you for what you've done to be a partner with us in nurturing these young people. And as always, my thoughts are directed to our seniors. You are all over here pretty much, right? I mean, I'm not missing. Okay, so you. I mean, it's, it's, it's directed towards them. But I expect all of us to be listening in on this because we are all participants in this. And we are going to continue with one of our parables that show us what the kingdom of heaven is. And it's a, it's a parable which I tend to think fits for this day. But the background of this parable was probably Psalm 119, verses, verse 34. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all of my heart. To our seniors, I want to say this. All the years that you've been a part of our spiritual family here, our vision has been for you to gain this type of understanding. All the trips, all the camps, all the classes and all the activities, all the worship has been a way for you to gain understanding. In other words, we want you to really get it. We, we want you to get it and we want you to take what you've got and we want you to do more with it than even what you've done while you've been here. And we don't want you to be anxious or nervous about that. We're not pressuring you. We're just excited about what you will do. And you don't have to perform or achieve. All you have to do is be a disciple who understands. The parable, and Cade read the parable for us this morning, has a theme running through it. You may think that that theme has to do with seeds. But the seeds and the way that that seed grows in soils or doesn't grow very well in certain kinds of soils is really all about understanding. And later on, you even get a two-part parable here where later he's talking to his disciples and they're saying, what does this mean? And there's this little discussion about understanding. Now, for us to get it, we need to ask ourselves, what do we mean by this word understanding. And the first thing I want you to know, all of you to know, is this. You need to pay attention to words. Pay attention to this word. Because the one thing in English that the word understanding never means, it never has to do with one thing standing underneath something. Never. The word never means that. You know, if you if you find a, an occasion of that, I'll give you a cookie, okay? But it really doesn't. What, what does it mean? Well, I want to give you five pictures where the word understanding is used in some different ways. And I want you to think about these and see what you come up with on your own. Number one, imagine that there are some parents who are a bit anxious because their children are moving out of the house. Is that hard for some of you to imagine or are you there? Okay, so, so, so I hear an amen. And then when another parent who's been through this experience comes to them and says, I understand. Now what does understanding mean when we use it that way? Well, it means that they've experienced the same thing. It means that they get it. It means that they can sympathize and they can empathize. 
It involves thoughts and feelings and actions. So now imagine a young person, number two, who decides to become, let's say, an auto mechanic. And and this, this young person has never taken a formal class, but he's worked on cars, and every time he has to diagnose a new problem with a car, and maybe even a car that he's never worked on before, he figures it out. And what we would say is, he understands cars, he understands mechanics, he understands engines. Now what do we mean by that when we say understand? We mean that he has intuition. We mean that he can conceptualize the relationship of how things work. We know that it involves thoughts, it involves imagination, and it involves practice. Third image. I heard a story recently about a lawyer. I don't know him. But in the telling of this story, I learned that he's an African-American and he grew up in the inner city and he has many friends from that culture. He works in a culture, though, that's predominantly white and he has many friends that he works with there. And he was so concerned after seeing the problems in places like Baltimore and Ferguson, Missouri, that he decided that he would act as a bridge between these two cultures that he lived in, and he would bring people who had different backgrounds together simply to be friends. He didn't overly discuss anything. He just invited them into his house to have a meal. And without having any sort of intentional discussions about race relations or cultural differences, he did create understanding. How did he do it? And what do we mean by understanding in that instance? We mean that he created presence, he created encounters, he created awareness, and it involved experience and it involved interaction. Fourth image. I want you to think of two people and they're talking about a topic. One person is shaking her head in affirmation as the other person talks. The person talking, the explainer, fails to find the words to describe her feelings or her experience about what's happening next. But the listener, who's been shaking her head in affirmation, says, I get it. I know what you're talking about. And the explainer says, I think you do. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean that there's a comprehension that goes further than data, further than words. It involves agreement. It involves common experience. It involves some kind of unity. Fifth image, final image. I want you to think of a man who's talking to another man. The second man is there to sell the first man a product or a service. And he's got a slick presentation. And he believes that he's in charge of the conversation. But the product or the service that he's selling is crooked. It is a scam. The first man has made mistakes in life, and he's no fool. So when the con man asks him, as slick as he is, when he asks him if he's interested in this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, the first man says, you know, I think I understand what's going on here. Now, what does the word understanding mean in that context? Well, I think it means not only do I get it, but it means I got you. He's saying, we would say he has good judgment, he has insight, and it involves not just the head, but it involves the gut too. 
All of these things show us different ways of using the word understanding. But at some level, they all have to do with getting it. You've got it. You get it. You understand. And that might mean knowing, feeling, and doing. And it probably means all of those. All of these examples of understanding show us just how diverse we, you know, our use of that word is, and rightly so. But when we think of this scripture and this parable and those poor disciples sitting there and they're saying, you know, we don't understand the parables. Can you break it down for us, Jesus? What is our default? Our default is they just need more knowledge. They need to go to school for a few more hours. What they need is they need a Bible degree. That's what we tend to think of. We tend to think that it's all about knowledge. And sometimes we apply that to Scripture and we think, if I only knew more about Scripture, if I could only understand it, if I only had more historical data or research data or this data or that data or I went to school more. And remember, folks, this is coming from a guy who's still paying off student loans, okay? And I'm telling you this true. What I want you to understand, and you, you may not hear this everywhere, knowing is not the same thing as understanding, okay? Would you all agree? Knowing is not the same thing as understanding. You can know a lot of things and not get it. So I want to say to the seniors, for the next four or five years, all of this teaching that we've hoped that you will understand is about more than head knowledge. That's why we do things with you. That's why we open up our lives to you. That's why we want you to open up your lives, and that's why we want you to share time with one another. Because we believe that getting it and understanding the kingdom and the gospel involves a lifetime of exposure. It involves a lifetime of taking Christ's teachings, putting them into your heart, and putting them into practice, like the psalmist says. So for the next just four or five years, you're going to be taking that teaching, you're going to be putting it into practice. And you're going to understand why we've taught you some of the things that we've been teaching you. You're going to understand why we teach you that sharing things is what it means to be church family. You'll understand why we teach you that being a disciple involves commitment. You're going to understand why we teach you that there's very little going on at 2 a.m. in the morning wherever you're at. Some of us need to learn that too, right? You're going to get it. If you don't have it already, and I think a lot of you get it, but whatever, you're going to get it. And you know what? Let me say this. This is where you over here. Some of us need to get it too. They're not exceptional in that they haven't passed some magic line where they don't get it. We're still getting it ourselves, aren't we? We're still trying to understand his teaching and put him into practice. Now, when we get it, when we understand, it will be knowing and it will be feeling and it will be doing. For some, of, for some of our seniors, I want you to imagine what this looks like when we put it into practice. For some of you, as we have saw just last week, it'll mean going on a mission trip all summer long. It's going to be the same thing for some of us here too. That's what it's going to mean to put it into practice. Why? Because we understand. For some of us, it's going to be getting involved in the campus ministry where you're at. That's why we have this campus ministry that we have. Is because you, we, want you, we, don't want you to, we want you to have the opportunity to get it, to understand and put into practice what we're doing. For some of you at the schools you're going to, it's going to mean finding some ministry or finding some group or finding a local church 
Don't just say, I'm going to give you this permission. Don't just say, West Ark's my home church. I got a home church. Hey, you go find God's people, whatever city you're moving to, and you go get involved with them because God's got mentors there. He's got good people who want to love you and they want to teach you his ways so that you can get it and so that you can help other people to understand and get it. And I'd say the same thing is true of all of us. Let me say to our college students here, and you're going to be meeting college students when the fall starts up. They'll say, oh, such and such is my church home. That's fine. But they can, they can get it. They can come and they can join in with God's people here as well. Some of our seniors have even done that, and I appreciate them doing that. There's so many possibilities for what it looks like to do discipleship. But we can do a lot, and if we don't understand why we're doing it, we might just be expending a lot of energy. This is why the other soils come to mind. We need to pay attention to the conditions that can kill out the seed of the gospel. As it's growing and it's germinating, what it's going to create is understanding. Such to the point that when we start doing things, we understand why we're doing it. We understand why this is the right thing to do. We understand why this is the wrong thing to do. You don't have to have people tell you. But you understand the right thing to do because you're seeking to please him and put his teachings into practice. So watch out. Watch out for the, the, the soil on the footpath. That's the hard soil. We run across these folks every day. They won't be patient with us when we believe that the Word of God is growing in our life. Let me say to the seniors, watch out for these folks. Don't let them discourage you. They won't understand it. They're going to be hard-headed and they're going to be hard-hearted because they're as dense as the soil that makes up the footpath. And when the seed of the gospel lands right in their lap, Satan's going to come along and take it away from them because it can't take root. Now, I'm not asking you to judge those people. I'm not asking any of us to judge those people. We need to understand that. But, you know, maybe it's an illustration to us. Now, I, I, I tend to believe that most of you are here because that seed's taking root. But I don't know that. I don't know that. For some of you, maybe that seed has just been bouncing off of you for years. And the Satan's been coming along like some old bird and just snatching it away. Eating up that seed. And it never has taken root. What I want to ask you to do is soften that soil up just a bit. Let that seed penetrate so that you can understand. And listen, if the gospel doesn't make complete sense to you right now, you've got to open yourself up to the understanding, and then you'll get it. It takes time. But, you know, let me say one of the things for all of us, whether we find ourselves dense like that or whether you encounter people who are dense like that, one of the things to wake up all of us need to wake up for is it is not a virtue to be hard-headed and stubborn okay sometimes we make it out that way we kind of joke well you know i'm just kind of hard-headed you know when i set my mind to something i know it you don't get a pass for that all right just because you joke about it doesn't mean that you get a coupon for that that's your wake-up call okay when you say things like that it's like hmm maybe i'd better get better yeah soften that old head up all right? There's no excuse for that. Just get better. Pray that God softens you. He can do it. He can till the soil. Now watch out also for the shallow soil. Let me say to our seniors, we want you to find all the mountaintop experiences that you can. I am not going to knock those mountaintop worship experiences. I used to do that in my life. 
I used to do that, and I used to, I used to just put that down when I was younger. I, I, you know, everybody just, you know, going to, these, going to these pep rallies, these spiritual pep rallies. You know, they're just really, oh, you know, it's just all a bunch of dipsy-doodle stuff, you know. <laughs> you know, and I thought, you know, we got we to gotta get deep. We got to get deep, you know, and all this. And people were having a good time, and they're getting close to God, and their spirit is being fed. And I'm just sitting there. Now, I ask you in that, in that situation, who was shallow, me or them? The answer was me. That was shallow. Now, shallow ground looks, it can come in all variety of shallowness, okay? Sometimes it can look like, hey, you know, I'm okay praising Jesus as long as it's fun, as long as it's great, as long as we're having a good time. I don't want to have to go to church where it's boring, you know. Okay, that's childish. And, and, and sometimes discipleship isn't just about, well, I can tell you, discipleship is not always going to church it's more than going to church we are church so when we are church and we're doing what we're doing to praise jesus that's discipleship and sometimes i'm gonna borrow a phrase from you Cade. sometimes it's the daily grind you've just got to get through the everyday stuff of life and it may not be a mountaintop it may be a valley but when those roots are sunk deep, you're going to appreciate all of the gospel. Hey, we love the flower on the plant. You know, the flower's beautiful. We see the flower. I love it when we plant those plants in our front yard, and then that time comes and they bloom, and it's like, yay. And I wish they could bloom all the time, but they don't. They wither up and they go away because you've got to have the root also. The root is part of the flower. But I'm not knocking either one of those. Watch out for the shallowness in life that can say, man, I'm okay following Jesus as long as I'm on the mountaintop high. Or it might be the shallowness that says, all I want is what I have to have, my three songs, prayer, and a 10-minute sermon. Listen, if we would get it, these sermons would get shorter, I assure you, okay? (laughs) And besides that, it's pretty shallow to be watching the clock, okay? You let me watch the clock, you listen. All right, there we go. Uh, That's just the way it works. That's the way it works, all right? Trust me. So... Watch out for the shallow soil. Finally, watch out for that thorny soil. Remember your creator. I want seniors, I want you to hear this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. That's Ecclesiastes 12.1. You might have heard that a lot. I know when I was your age, I heard that a lot. And I was thinking, man, it must be rotten to get old. Because, they, you know, you're going to have evil days. I think I have a better appreciation for this, and maybe I will. If I live any longer, I'll have even more of an appreciation. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll understand it. Here's how I hear that today. The longer I live, the more things you hear. And it just sort of builds up like a stain. You hear of rotten stuff in this world. It's not that my life's rotten. My life is a guy I met this. I knew he was a Christian because I asked him this week. I said, how are you doing? And he said, "Uh, I am blessed and well favored. And I thought, that man's a Christian. And uh, I like that. I like that. And that's the way I feel. I'm blessed. No matter how much I complain, I'm blessed. But I tell you, you see things in life that are evil. Some of you who are my age and older, you understand this. And it gets discouraging. But you can't let those thorns choke out the goodness of the gospel. You can't let those things kill the growth of the gospel. We can get so worked up on that. And I tell you, 
There's people right now, they're, they're, they're trying to sell you on the bad news, not the good news. Your media, <clears throat> your print media, maybe even just some of the people in your life who you know, they're trying to sell you on the bad news. And sometimes they're trying to sell you on the bad news because they want to sell you something to fix the bad news, whether it's a security plan or a pharmaceutical or something else. I don't know. But they're trying to sell you on the bad news. Don't you buy it. Don't be naive. But we need to know that the good news is that which thrives and secures. That other stuff is bad thinking. Don't let that rule. That's the thorny soil. Choking it out. I want to say this to our seniors, and I want you to listen in. We want only happiness for you. And I say that very sincerely. But I'm going to tell you a secret about happiness. It's not based on your external circumstances. True happiness is not based on that. Because I have seen, and I'm sure many people here can testify to this, and they've been through it themselves. I've seen people with very little in their life. And they are the happiest, most joyous people because they have found true peace and contentment and joy in taking God's teachings and living it out. And I have known people who have things that I wished I had and they live in misery because they don't have real contentment. Keep that in mind. Happiness is about something else. It's not about the external circumstances. It's about that seed internally blossoming and yielding a crop, a good harvest, 30 times what was planted, 60 times, 100 times. Don't worry about either one of those. Just understand that it's a profit. It's gain. And don't let these other soils choke out your commitment. And a note to the adults. Why don't we take this teaching to root also? Why don't we take it in internally? And let's model the kind of commitment that we want the younger ones to imitate. This isn't just an issue for youth. When our commitment to Christ is distracted by other commitments, even our children, then we're like the seed that sprouts and dies out because it has no roots. Or we're like the seed that, 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 that is choked out by worries and cares. We need to put down some roots and we need to till the soil. And if you don't buy what I'm saying, just ask yourself if you're not letting the seed bounce off of you. Now, I've said enough. I've said enough, and I hope you get it. And if, if not, then I'm going to say this. If, you, if you're saying, I don't get it today, well, give it time. Talk to others. Talk to God. That seed will germinate. It'll take root. And if you do get it, I'm going to ask you to obey Christ. In all things, obey Christ. Put his instructions into practice with all your heart. Now, however you need to respond to that, I'd ask you to do so while we stand and while we sing.